I'd like for you to take God's word with me tonight, please, and turn to the New Testament book of Luke, if you would. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and we will begin reading in verse number 11 and read down to verse number 24. We started looking at this parable, and a little by little, we're opening it up. This is one of my favorite parables, if not my favorite in all the New Testament, and a story, a parable that Jesus gives, and really it deals with two kinds of people. It deals with the religious hypocrite, the Pharisee, and it deals with the publican, the 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 sinner who's outside, who feels as if he's too bad and too broken to ever come in. He deals with both. The one who thinks he's too good to ever be outside and the one who thinks he's too bad to ever be inside. He deals with both. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. May God add his blessing on the reading and hearing of his word tonight. Titus, do you need a Bible? Why don't you go to the back and grab one? We come to the next part of this story. Look at it with me, please, if you would. Really, one verse. We'll look at several verses, but begin here with one. Verse number 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Did you look this way? He began to be in want. I wonder tonight, have you ever come to the place When you hit rock bottom, when you got so low that you couldn't go any lower and you finally realized you were in a position where you were in great need. That's where this man was. Think about this line for a second. Follow with me in this text, this line of thought, this strain of thought. And and think with me. This is exactly how the modern man thinks. Verse number 13. Are you listening? I want you to do your best to listen. I know there are a lot of distractions. Do your best to listen. Verse 13, 
Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. Think about those three words, gathered all together. There he is gathering everything together. And then the Bible says he took his journey into a far country and wasted his substance. He wasted all that he had gathered together. In fact, we know that because the next verse says, and when he had spent all. So he gathered all, took it to a far country, wasted his substance, and spent all. Do you know that every one of us tonight are spending our lives? I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. Every one of us are spending our lives. And look here, you will spend it all. Sometimes when someone dies early, we say, oh, they died prematurely or early. No, no, they, they, they spent all their days. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. We have an appointment with death. You have an appointment that you can't change. And when time is up, it's up. So you will all, we will all spend all of our days. You cannot get out of it early. You can't extend it, but you will spend it all. The problem is we just don't know how much is all. I just don't know how much I have left. It would be easy if I pulled out a thousand pounds today and put it on the table here and said, I have a thousand pounds and I'm spending it and I can see it go. I can see how much I'd spent and how much I have left. But you don't have that. You don't have that privilege with life. I can tell you how much I've spent, but I cannot tell you how much I have left. I don't know. I don't I do not know how many days I have left to spend. That's why it's so important that you don't waste any. That's why it's so important that you make sure that they are carefully spent. One thing is certain as we read this text, as we think about life, one thing is certain there is a limit, isn't there? There's a limit. We know it. There's a limit physically to what a man can do. We have some hardworking people in our church, men and women, but there's a limit to how hard a man can work before he absolutely breaks his body. There's a limit to how hard a woman can push herself before she just breaks. We know that. We understand there's a limit financially. Even if you had a million pounds tonight, we would all smile and pat each other on the back. You'd probably become my friend tonight if I had a million pounds. But even if I had a million pounds tonight, there's a limit to how much I can spend. I can only spend a million pounds if that's all I've got. Same thing if I've only got a hundred pounds. When I hit, when I hit 100, when I hit 99, then I know I've got one left. So no, no matter how much you have, there's a limit to it. There's a limit to your physical health. There's a limit to your financial means. There's a limit to your intellectual thinking as well. Do you know that sometimes people get so worked up because they just can't figure God out? You ever, you ever been there before? I meet people all the time. and They, they just cannot get their minds around some, some uh, doctrine or some theological truth. And because of that, they abandon all of it. Well, that's silly. There's a limit to your thinking. There's a limit to your understanding. You've got to understand that. You've got to see that. You've got to know that. There's a limit to your time. Time is ticking. I never understood pastimes. What's your favorite pastime? I don't, I don't want any pastimes. I don't want anything that passes my time away. I want to save my time, not pass it away. People talk about their favorite. My favorite pastime is to stroll on the beach. That's lovely. I want to save my time, not pass it. I want to redeem the time. I want to get as much out of it as I can. The truth is, all of us are spending our lives and all of us are running out. Here's a man 
who spent all his money. But that is only symbolic of a man spending all of his life. It's only a picture of each one of us tonight running out of days, running out of time, running out of opportunities. And it's evidence that this man, when he had spent all, he recognized he had nothing left. He was very, very poor. Can I tell you tonight that each one of us are spiritually poor? We're paupers without Christ. We're poor, squandering the riches of God, squandering every breath he gives us, squandering every every drop of daylight that he gives us, squandering all the natural gifts and blessings that God gives a man. The problem is most people never see it. The problem is most people think they'll live forever. Now, there are some people tonight, right this very moment, who are very aware of how little time they have left. Isn't that interesting? I spoke recently with a brother who was very ill, and and, uh, he's been told that there's nothing more the doctors can do. Of course, we understand God can do much more than what doctors can. But humanly speaking, he's been told there's nothing else that can be done. And I said to him, in some ways, I said, you are in a better place than the rest of us. In some ways, you are in a better place right now than the rest of us because you know that time is running out. The rest of us, we think we have all the time in the world. It isn't until you're laid in a hospital bed. Good to see Johnny with us tonight. He was laid in a hospital bed recently, thought he was dying. It's easy when you're laying in the hospital bed and the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with you and you see your body wasting away. It's easy then to say, I'm running out of time. I should have been living for God. I should have done something more. But what happens when you get better? What happens when you don't, when you're not in a hospital bed, when your two legs work just fine, when you don't need a cane to prop yourself up, when you don't need glasses to see properly? What about then? Only when the, when the test results come back positive with, with something you didn't expect, that's when you begin to recognize time is ticking. But the truth is, time is ticking whether you get those results or not. The truth is, you and I are running out of time. And I said to my brother recently, I said, look, in some ways you're better in a better place than many of us are because you know time is running out, while at the same time, I could be dead before you are. He's just been made to think about it more than we think about it. But here's an interesting situation. Here's a man who had hit rock bottom, had nothing left. He had hit the bottom of poverty, and not just that, but it got worse. The Bible says in our text that when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. Now look, it's inconvenient to be poor at any time, but it's especially inconvenient to be poor at a time of a famine. It's especially bad timing to be poor when the nation's poor. Can you imagine? I mean, it just couldn't get any worse. Here's a man who was poor and his nation was poor. He came to the end of his resources and then his own country, the country he was living, it came to the end of its resources. And that's when the Bible says he began to be in want. You see, when these two things, think about this for a second, when these two things come together, then real want, real need is opened up to you. When you run out of resources and when the world no longer has anything more to offer that will satisfy your desires, that's when you're in a really bad place. I meet people like this all the time. 
the homeless on the streets because they've spent every penny trying to buy a drug to satisfy a need. And now they've tried so many different narcotics and drugs that nothing else will meet that need. They've come to the end of themselves and they come to the end of the options because nothing works anymore. That's a bad place to be. But can I say to you tonight, that's exactly where you are tonight if you're not saved. You may not see it. You may still be like this man. By the way, you may still be like this man uh, wallowing around in a pig pen. You think this smells bad. You should have been there with him and the pigs. You may be like that man, and, and you may have a little, bit of, a little bit of desire left in you, and you may be getting a little bit of satisfaction out of the things of the world, but believe me, it's just a matter of time before that wears off and you have to try something worse. Do you know, all you have to do is, they, they tell us statistically that some of the worst criminals that ever walked this planet did not become those criminals overnight. What happened was, is they tried one thing after another, and because those things no longer satisfied them, they had to try something more dangerous, more wicked, more depraved, until they found themselves in such darkness and depravity that even the worst, darkest man would shrink away from, because it started out little by little, they had to get more and more and more, worse and worse and worse. Nobody becomes a drunkard overnight. Nobody becomes a drunkard overnight. No one becomes an alcoholic overnight. Not with one drink. No, no, it starts with one drink, and then one drink isn't enough. So it becomes two drinks, and, and two drinks doesn't do what one drink used to do. So now it becomes three, and before you know it, they're there drinking all day long, just trying to get the feeling they used to get with one. And that's exactly where this boy was. Maybe tonight you're thinking, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm not a drug addict. But you're still chasing after the things of this world. You still think that you'll somehow get satisfaction from the different things this world offers. But you know it's not working. Every little drop of pleasure that this world gives you lasts just for a little while. Then it's gone. And then you're looking for something else. A bigger television screen, a faster car, a newer car, a better, a better set of heels. I want my teeth to be whiter than his teeth, whatever it may be. Never enough. It's never enough. That's where this man was. He'd run out of his own resources, and all that the world had to offer would no longer satisfy him. And look what it says. He began to be in want. It only just began. He only just started. He began. It wasn't that, oh, he wanted. No, no, he just started wanting. That was the beginning of an unending cycle, and it would never, ever end unless he found himself going home. And can I tell you tonight, would you look here? You will be stuck in this unending cycle until you come home. You will be stuck in this cycle, and it'll get worse and worse and more desperate and more desperate until you come home. I met a young man here recently called an addiction a young teenager bound in the chains of addiction and couldn't get free. And I said to him, look, young man, you, you may not think it's such a big deal now. You may not think you're hurting anybody. He looked at me call very calloused. I said, you may not think it's, it's a big deal now. You're not really hurting anybody. But if you don't do something about this soon, it will consume you and destroy you. And that's the way it is. He began to be in want. 
the beginning of a long, continuous experience with no prospect of ever finding satisfaction. No prospect, no hope of ever finding satisfaction for the longing inside. This is the life outside of Christ. It's a miserable place to be. I've been there. How many of you remember when you used to be there? Do you remember that? But it doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to live like that. Let me show you something really amazing. The Bible says there, we read it a moment ago, he began to be in want. The end of verse 14, do you see it? And he began to be in want. Fast forward to the end of verse 24. And they began to be merry. He began to be in want or they began to be merry. you got a choice tonight. You have a choice this evening. You can choose today to continue a solitary life of want and longing, or tonight, by the grace of Almighty God, you can have a life together with the family of God with abundant satisfaction. They began to be merry together, collectively. But this is what I love about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what I love about salvation, the kingdom of God. Maybe you're thinking, I don't want to live like this anymore. I, I want out of this before it gets any worse, before I end up any worse than I am now. Maybe you like that Philippian jailer would say, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What needs to be done? So far, this young man had done nothing but spend, really spend that which wasn't really his. So far, all he had done was managed to spend everything that was given to him. And tonight, can I just say to you that if you've never been born again, all you've ever managed to do is spend that which has only been given to you. People somehow have the strangest ideas. That's my life. I'll do with it what I want to do. Hold on. You've been given that life. You didn't make yourself. You didn't create yourself. You didn't give yourself the intellect and mindset that you have. You didn't do that. It was given to you. Didn't give you yourself your health. Even sometimes the, the strongest bodybuilders and, and weightlifters, they think they're very healthy. And they, these who eat all the just the right proper dietary things, they think that they're keeping themselves healthy and strong. I learned a long time ago that it's good to try to be as healthy as you possibly can be. But it's, I also recognize that life and health comes from God. It comes from God. I ran. Did a bit of running when I was in high school, cross country, track and field. And I remember one of my coaches, his brother, nearly died in his early 20s. He was the fittest man, nearly the fittest man in the state. A star runner. You couldn't find an ounce, couldn't find a pinch of fat on the man. Just solid rock, solid muscle. But his lung collapsed while running one day. Can you imagine? Nearly, nearly died there. Healthiest man you could ever imagine. You'd think somebody like me would have my lung collapse just by trying to breathe my way through the day. Not that man. You see, we've got it all. We, got, we, we have a very silly way of thinking as if we are the ones who create and create our own destiny, the masters of our own destiny. No, 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 no. We're just like this boy spending what's been given to us. We didn't earn it. It was given to us. And we've sunk lower and lower, 
and lower. And here's a young man who sunk lower and lower in a land, a graceless land. And tonight, look here, if you've never been born again, you are sinking lower and lower in a very graceless land. Look what it says. He began to be in want and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, made himself a slave. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine, pigs, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Now, think for a second. The man was going lower and lower and lower. First, he went to that country, which he should have never been in to begin with. That was a step down. And then when he ran out of money and the country ran out of steam, well, then he made himself a slave to a Gentile nation. That was another step lower. It was bad enough that he went to party with them. Now he's their slave. Can I tell you that's exactly what the world will do to you? You think you're partying with the world, but you become a slave to the world. Now he's a slave to this Gentile man, and and to make matters worse, he's sent into the pigs. And then to make it even worse, the Bible says he looks at the pigs eating, and he begins to think, I wish I was a pig. At least they have food. He would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. Some people think maybe he wanted to eat that. Well, maybe he did, but I think he was saying, well, I wish I was like one of these. At least they've got something to eat. Look how low he went. Down, down, down. Down. And can I tell you, friend, that's where you're headed. Without Christ, that's where you're headed. Lower and lower and darker and more depraved and more black and wicked than you could ever imagine in a graceless land. The Bible says no man gave to him. You ever think about that? Why? Why didn't anybody give him? Why didn't somebody help him out? I'll tell you why. They were too afraid they were going to lose what they had. That's a graceless. We live in a graceless world. Nobody wants to help. Oh, they'll help as long as it makes them look good and as long as they got plenty to help with. But if they feel like they're going to lose something out of it, no, no way. No way. No man gave to him. A grace, we live in a graceless world. A world without grace. But can I tell you that Christ's kingdom is a kingdom filled with grace. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is different. You see, the kingdom of Christ has a limitless supply. And because the kingdom of Christ has a limitless supply and an unending treasury chest, you can't give it all away. And so therefore, because you can't give it all away, Christ gives freely. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So Jesus hands it out freely. He's not like some miser in a graceless society and world that says, I'll only give if it makes me look good and only helps me. No, there's no end to it. He can dig in and and pass out, dig in and pass around over and over again because there's no end to his grace. And the man finally realized, hold on a moment. I'm, I'm, I'm starving. I'm wanting to be like a pig. And at home, at my father's house, There's so much that he gives freely. There's so much that the servants, that even the lowest in the home have more than enough. Even the lowest in the home could give me because they've received so freely from my father. You see the difference between a graceless kingdom and a kingdom filled with grace, built on grace, 
established on grace. This is the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, a kingdom of grace. It begins with grace, continues with grace, and ends with grace. It's not about your performance. You don't get blessings from God because you're a good boy. You get blessings from God because he's good. Because he's full of grace. You've got a choice tonight. I love that old hymn. We sing it sometimes. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He giveth and giveth and giveth more grace. What a marvelous thought. The limitless kingdom of his grace. Storehouses full. The choice is tonight this. You can continue on the path that you're walking. You think that because you're on the broad road and you see all your friends living the same way, you think you're together. But believe me, you're going to find yourself very soon to be very alone. Very alone. Very empty. And not only alone and empty, but no longer able to be satisfied with what the world has to offer. Sometimes it takes that before you realize, I need to go home. There's a better kingdom to be a part of. There's a better family than this family of pigs that I'm living with. Will you come home? If you don't come home now, I don't know how many days you have left to spend. Can you imagine if that young man stayed a little bit longer? Can you imagine if he died in the pig pen? God forbid that anyone in this barn tonight should ever die in the pig pen. God forbid that you should walk out of these doors and choose to stay with the pigs. May God help you tonight to realize where you're living and where you could be living. He began to be in want, but back home, he had the choice. They began to be merry. Can you imagine? Joyful. The kingdom we live in, the kingdom of Christ, is the kingdom of merriment, of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's a kingdom of great joy. Jesus said, my joy I give unto you, that it may be full. Your choice. Even in the midst of darkness and difficulty, joy, joy, joy. I wonder tonight if you have it. Which kingdom will you live in? The kingdom of graceless pigs or the kingdom filled with grace in the Father's house? Would you bow your head with me, please? Let's pray. Father, tonight we give thanks that there is grace. We thank thee, Lord, that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. That we have been granted and given grace upon grace. Oh, we thank thee, Lord, for this marvelous gift of undeserved kindness and favor. We rejoice when we were at the bottom of it all, when we had spent it all, and nothing else seemed to be able to satisfy. Oh, we thank thee, Lord. Then we heard the call to come home. We rejoice that we have indeed been welcomed back into the home of our Father, into the arms of our Father. We thank Thee, Lord, for truly Thou art a good Father. We thank Thee for Thy grace. But tonight I pray for those who are still living out in the far country, still spending, still wasting. Oh, Lord, help them to see how poor they really are. 
Help them to see that there's nothing in this world that can satisfy. Oh, show them, Lord, sooner rather than later, please. Help them to see it, Lord, I pray. May they recognize that they do not have to live this way. Open their eyes. Bring them home even tonight, we pray. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, who bled and died upon the cross for our sins, who became for us, sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness which is in, in him and from thee. We thank thee, Lord, for such righteousness. We thank thee for such forgiveness. We thank thee that our sins have been washed away, buried into the depths of the sea. And we pray that tonight there'd be rejoicing in heaven over another sinner who has been brought to repentance. Help us as thy children to waste no more days. Help us to redeem the time. Help us to live mindful that time is ticking. We haven't much time left. May we redeem it for thy glory, for thy namesake. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.